Support for WPR comes from 4imprint, providers of promotional products for businesses, including embroidered apparel, trade show items, and logoed business gifts. More is at 4imprint.com. 4imprint, for certain. Support for WPR comes from Rutabaga Paddle Sports, offering kayaks and canoes to experience the natural beauty of Wisconsin water, with test paddling every day at 2620 Rimrock Road in Madison. Rutabagashop.com. From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Tom Clark, here again with Family Doc Zorba Pastor, talking with you about what's new in healthy living, sharing some down-to-earth advice and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. If you have a question for the good doc, the number to call is 800-462-7413. And along with your calls, we have some topics to talk about, Zorba. I hope so. How about diet soda? Does it actually cause you to eat more? Does it actually cause you to lose weight? What's the latest issue on diet soda? Let me tell you, when I read this article, it is mind-blowing, as well as the other article about the FDA setting stronger standards on breast implants. This, folks, has been an issue for more than 30 years, and the FDA is finally coming down with a hard hammer on breast implants. You're going to want to listen to this. I was really kind of blown away by it. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's our recipe? Mushroom and leek grilled cheese. Now, I know Tom likes grilled cheese, but does Tom like mushrooms? Does Tom like leeks? Does Tom like mushroom and leeks and grilled cheese together? Only time will tell, and you will have to listen to the show to find out <laughs> what Tom's response is. <laughs> okay. To the phones we've gone on, Zora. 1-800-462-7413 is the number. That's 800-462-7413. Let's welcome our first caller now, Zorba, a listener with us in Buffalo, New York. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. I'm calling with an ear mystery. Ear mystery. Ear mystery. Ear mystery. Ear mystery. Oh, <laughs> multiple, sound, yeah, multiple sounds, like, sounds like a series. You've the got, ear, you've got the ear mystery. Here, the 12-part yeah. the series that will go on for five years, the ear mystery. I hope it's gone on for decades so far. <laughs> the, the finale comes soon. <laughs> so go on. What's your story? So I get outer ear pain. So in my just my right ear where the cartilage becomes so tender and sore that I can't bend it. And it's just my right ear and I've seen a regular doctor, an ear, nose and throat doctor, a dentist. There's no visual swelling. There's no visual redness. It seems to be related to with the weather changing, it seems to be more common in the fall and spring. If I, if I just lie down, I can get some relief, and it always goes away on its own, but it can be very disruptive because of all of a sudden my ear hurts so much. Uh-huh. I can't just, like, lie down in the middle of the day if I'm at work. Right. How, how often does this happen? So more in certain seasons. So I'd say, like, in the fall and mm-hmm. spring, it would happen never more than once or twice a week, mm-hmm. but then I'll go for stretches of, you know, a month or two with mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've not found anything. They look at your ear and they go, what is, what's going on? They don't see anything in your ear. No, I've had ear tests. Everything looks great with my ear and its functionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a treatment, but I don't have a diagnosis, which is not uh, uncommon in medicine. We often treat things and we go, well, it's idiopathic, which means we're idiots because <laughs> we don't understand the pathology <laughs> that is the definition of idiopathic. But I've got an idea. So what have you tried? I want to hear what you've tried so far. So I've tried ibuprofen. That Good. doesn't seem uh-huh. to have an impact. Okay. Um, and then my dad suggested just lying down, and that seems to be that seems to speed up the sort of release Ooh. of whatever has sort mm-hmm. of built up in my ear. But those are the only things I've tried. By the way, have you tried earmuffs? When it gets bad? Yeah. No. Have you done that? Why not? 
If lying down actually helps with pressure on the ear, that's one thing. That's one thing you should try. Earmuffs. Remember earmuffs? I haven't seen people with earmuffs <laughs> these days. You don't see them as much. But if you could go to the web, I bet you can buy some earmuffs. Why don't you try earmuffs over your ears and see what that does? Because part of this may be something like a Renaud's – there's something called Renaud's um, disease. It's not a disease. and Renaud's phenomena where you have a change in circulation in your fingers and in your hands when it's cold, when the weather changes, when there's wind. Very, very common. And you may have a Renaud's issue with your ear, R-A-Y-N-A-U-D-S. Okay. And that's what may be going on. And the thing about an earmuff is that, first of all, it might look a little strange at work. You're wearing earmuffs and people come <laughs> and say, why are you wearing earmuffs at work? And you can explain exactly why you're doing it. But the thing is, it's pressure on the ear and it's warmth to the ear. And that would be the first thing I would try. That First thing I would good. try. The, the second thing I would try if that fails is I would try diclofenac gel. Now, diclofenac gel, diclofenac is an anti-inflammatory, and it now comes in a gel form. used to be that a tube, when it was on name brand, was $350 for a tube, a 100-gram tube. Now you can buy it with a prescription for $8.95, and it's an anti-inflammatory gel. And some people have great relief from it because it goes into the skin, uh, and what it does, it's an anti-inflammatory. You're not taking orally, and it works pretty instantly. So I would do diclofenac gel as a try too. And I would try that if you say, hey, I've got a week of it and it's really bothering me a lot. I would put the diclofenac gel on twice a day and see what that does. Because I oh, think wonderful. this is I think this is an inflammatory response and or a renounced phenomena issue. So try the earmuffs, try the diclofenac gel, and see if it works. And you know what? Let us know because there may be other people out there that suffer from the same thing. Yeah, it's definitely a mystery one. Multiple searches on the internet, and I haven't seen anything that really describes it. So this is great to have some. New really, so to the try. internet doesn't have all the information. You actually have to come to a real doctor <laughs> sometimes know, to find it out. It is a shock. You guys, you guys are not going to go out of business anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I really appreciate your time. I had multiple friends who thought I was going to be talking to one of their favorite people when I was going to speak with you. So on behalf of all of Buffalo, thank you so much for taking my call today. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much for the compliment. We, appreciate we, it. We, we appreciate the call. <laughs> and say hi to all your friends for us, too. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 800 462 and now, Zorba, let's see if we can help a listener in Viroqua, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. How can we help? Um, well, about three weeks ago, I also fell asleep while watching programming. <laughs> um, and when I woke up, I couldn't move my hand or wrist. I lost, like, all control over it. Mm -hmm. It just kind of hangs there. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the third day, it didn't come back. I went to the ER, and they spent like two minutes with me, told me I had Saturday night palsy, mm -hmm. and sent me on my way. So mm -hmm. I guess I was just wondering if um, there's anything I should be doing, any kind of therapies, if I should be going in to have it looked at again. Sure. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. So when you fell asleep, was your arm up? You know, were you like, you know, your arm up so that basically your axilla, which was your armpit, was flat on the ground or flat on a table or flat on a bar, but you're, you weren't in a bar, obviously. <laughs> where, was, where was that, your um, armpit? Actually, in, I was in class at the time. So I was sitting up in a chair. Okay, so you had that. What happens is, so you went to the emergency room. How long ago did this happen? Three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. What's what's happening with your arm, your hand, your wrist? Three weeks later. Um, it still is like completely dead. I can curl my fingers mm -hmm. under mm -hmm. and like almost make a fist, but I can't like straighten them out or spread them or hold okay. my wrist up. Okay, so first of all, that has improved, right? Um, a little bit. Not a little much, bit. No, honestly. no, a little bit. There's a big difference between zero. And a little bit in situations like that. So it's, if I'm reading correctly, it's a little bit improved. Yep. 
Okay. So Saturday Night Palsy, it was called Saturday Night Palsy specifically because often men more than women would be in a bar hanging over the bar with pressure under their axilla for a period of time because they'd be drunk. That's why it was called Saturday Night Palsy because <laughs> the idea mm-hmm. they were drunk. And then they would lose a control of that arm where the arm had no movement, almost no sensation, and no ability to actually touch or move their hands. Now, I knew one case, uh, it's an, an extreme case, uh, of a young man who this happened to, uh, went to uh, University of New York, went to Columbia, woke up. He may, he may have had a drinking problem or not, but that night he certainly had a drinking problem. He lost total control over his arm, and it didn't come back for months. Not only that, but he went to a variety of places to have them look at, uh, and they said, no, there's nothing we're going to operate on. We're going to give it some time. He then went to St. Louis, Missouri, where a doctor that I didn't know, I mean, I knew this this person as a patient, uh, said, well, look, I, I can actually open that up and give it a little bit of space. And then they came to me and they said, what do you think you should do? And I said, I don't think you do anything. It gets better on its own. 99% of the time, you just have to watch it. And luckily, they did not go and have any surgery done. And the guy is fine. But it okay. took him six months to recover. Mm. But oh, he... Wow had absolutely no change for three months. Now, you've had a change over the past couple of weeks. You've got tingling and movement, which is a very important sign when the motor nerves come back. So the reality is it is going to come back. There's nothing you can do to actually speed it to come back except make sure that your arm doesn't have any pressure under it. So you want to make sure, like when you're going to sleep at night, you've got lots of pillows in your bed so there's no pressure under your axilla, under the armpit, that actually could cause the nerves to then deafen again. That's, okay. that's basically what the, answer, what the answer is. Nothing, don't take anything, don't do anything. Now, if you want to make sure that there's nothing else going on, you would go to your doctor, you would get a referral for an EMG, electromyogram, and they would check the nerves. But it sounds like it's Saturday Night Palsy. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks for your call. Yes. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. 800-462-7413 if you have a question for Zorba. That's 800 800- Four six two seven four one three. Zorba, before our next call, uh, tell us about diet soda and uh, food cravings. So, do you ever drink diet soda? Do you ever drink soda? Uh, not every now and every then. Every now and then. What do you drink when you drink? Not diet. I never do diet. Uh, what do you drink when you drink? Cherry. I like cherry. You soda. like cherry soda. Where do you find cherry soda? At the store. <laughs> you can't find it in vending machines. I don't think they have much. Now, I used to like orange soda, but if I go for a soda, I want a Coke. I mean, I don't have it that often, but I want a Coke. But then if I don't feel like I want the calories, I'll have a Diet Coke. And I can't tell much of a difference, but Coke drinkers can. But the real issue is, since we've been drinking diet soda, we've gotten heavier and heavier and heavier, and obesity has increased. And there's been absolutely zero evidence that diet soda actually causes you to lose weight. And now there's evidence that it might do exactly the opposite. So most diet soda is either made with aspartame under the name uh, NutraSweet or sucralose, which is under the name Splenda. And that, that's really most of it. And what happened is a sweet feeling actually tells that makes people think that they're drinking something sweet. But the brain appears to be looking then for calories to actually find the sweetness that is in the mouth. In other words, it's looking for the reward. You drink soda, and it says, hey, okay, that's sweet, but where are the calories? And it appears that diet soda actually increases appetite to actually eat other food to accomplish what the sensation of sweetness does to the tongue. In other words, you eat it, and then later on in the day, later on in the day might be one minute later or five minutes later, you need more food to actually accommodate what has been told by the tongue is food. It doesn't seem to do anything. So the sweeteners appear to influence metabolism. The sweeteners appear to increase, especially in lab animals, increase the desire to eat other foods because basically once you eat something sweet, the body says, hey, show me the meat. Where's the calories? Mm -hmm. Where's the carbohydrate coming? And that's why it's not working. 
And the amount of soda that we drink that is either sweet or diet soda is enormous in the country and parallels the increase in obesity. So this is really a very important study. It shows that we should stop drinking diet soda. The time has come for us to stop the diet drinks completely. This is totally different. I really thought that diet drinks are fine. There's almost there's no evidence they cause cancer. I don't think they cause cancer. There's no evidence they're they're bad in other ways. So I've been really pushing back on a Spartan and NutraSweet and diet soda is fine. I'm now on the other side is have water or a fizzy water, or if something with a flavor for it, or if you're going to have something that's sweet, eat a little something that's sweet in there so you've got the calories, but you are deluding yourself. If you're drinking diet soda and you think you're going to lose weight, you are not. Got it. 800-462-7413. That's our number, 800-462-7413. A voicemail now, Zorba, uh, from Spokane, Washington. My question is around um, tests that you need to do if you grew up in certain regions. I grew up in East Africa, and I wonder if there are specific tests that I would need to take to make sure that I don't have certain diseases. Thank you. So it's really a function. There are certain tests that we look at to see if you have certain diseases. So uh, in East Africa, uh, which I'm not familiar with exactly diseases, there are parasites they look at. They look at tuberculosis, which is common there. Uh, They often may do tests on HIV AIDS, which is also more common there than it is in the U.S. So it really is a local issue of what's going on in your particular area. Now, when we do screening tests in this country, the most we don't usually screen for infectious disease. It's not as big an issue here. We screen for cancer, colon cancer, breast cancer. Those are the things that we screen for. We don't screen for other forms of cancer. We screen for heart disease. We screen for cholesterol and high blood pressure. So the answer is talk to your doctor, find out what screening tests you should have and what's appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, before we take a quick break, Zorba, we often hear from the grammar police, but today we're going to hear from the skillet Skillet. Okay, Zorba, the following (laughs) email came from Wes and Jessica in Knoxville, Tennessee. Dr. Zorba, a question was asked about cleaning cast iron skillets, and you recommended scrubbing your pans with Easy Off oven cleaner. You also said you had to scrub it around 20 times. We both were shocked to hear that you would recommend subjecting (laughs) someone to that level of exposure to both work and that toxic of chemical fumes. If you wish to clean cast iron and don't want harmful effects of oven cleaner in the environment, let alone your home, and you don't want to spend the afternoon scrubbing, try this. Okay. Put all the cast iron you want cleaned in your oven upside down. Set oven to self-clean, and when done, wipe out the ash by rinsing with water. Add a light coat of any cooking oil, and then put back in the oven at 350 for 10 minutes. This method makes light work and uses no harsh chemicals and produces no Fumes. Fabulous. That, that is a great idea. First of all, let me clarify. It wasn't the pot that I was doing. It was the top of the pot. And I may not have clarified it on the show, but it was the top because I couldn't get the top cleaned because it had grime on the top. The pan itself is seasoned. I would never put anything in the pan. Once you season mm-hmm. cast iron, you kind of leave it the way it is. But the top was caked on. And there were toxic fumes. I opened up the window. Easy off. I have no idea what's in it, but, it, you know, it's... 
It's these fumes are really awful. And I scrubbed it like 20 times because I got to get it clean. But they have a much better idea. I love the fact, put it in my cast iron. If I ever have to do that again, I'm going <laughs> to, it's the top we're talking about, folks, not the pan. If I ever have to do it again, I'm going to put the top in the self cleaning oven and put it underneath and do the ash. I love it. Way to go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have a lot of smart listeners, don't we? You know what? That's what public radio is. Public radio is filled with smart folk. Okay. Now that we've got uh, that all ironed out, if you're fuming about something Zorba said on the show, just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at... Zorba at WPR.org. More calls coming up. We'll be uh, cooking up some mushroom and leek grilled cheese sandwiches, whether we want them or not. And we'll, <laughs> and we'll hear more of your emails as well, all coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX. Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. That number is 800-462-7413 if you have a question for Zorba. But right now, Zorba, recipe time, mushroom and leek grilled cheese. You know, I can just tell from your voice from that that <laughs> this is not an exciting recipe for you. I mean, you like grilled cheese, don't you? Yeah, I'm, an, I'm not a mushroom fan. You're not, a, you're not, you don't like, well, how about leeks? Yeah. Well, but leeks are kind of like onions. I mean, they are an onion. They're in the onion. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you haven't had a lot of leeks. So much. You, have you ever had mushroom and leek soup? Have you ever had leek soup? Leek and potato soup? I don't soup? think so, no. You know what, Tom? At the age of 85, you know, you've got to learn things. Come on. You've got to try something new. You've got to keep your palate free of other, other things. You know, it's not just tomato soup. It's not just, you know, simple recipes. You think I'm 85 years old? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the recipe. All right, all right. Let's start with the uh, Olive oil. Tablespoon of olive You like olive oil? Sure, why oh, Okay, not? olive oil. How about a tablespoonful of unsalted butter? You like butter? Butter's fine. <laughs> Butter's fine. All right. All right. Now we're going into dangerous territory. Mm -hmm. One leek trimmed and thinly sliced. A leek trimmed and thinly sliced. Yeah, that's right. Salt. <laughs> salt. <laughs> you like salt, right? Sure. Okay. Three ounces of mushroom sliced. Uh, a clove of garlic crushed. A clove garlic crushed. You like garlic, right? Sure. Yeah, okay. A yeah. uh, pinch of crushed red pepper. Pinch of crushed red pepper. You like pepper, right? Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Quarter teaspoon of Dijon mustard. Quarter little tea Dijon mustard. You like mustard, yeah, right? Sure, 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 <laughs> okay. sure. A cup of grated Gouda cheese. Cup grated Gouda cheese. You like Gouda cheese, right? Mm. <laughs> so, so, so in this recipe... The stuff that you don't like are the mushrooms, the leek, and the type of cheese. You know what? I don't think this recipe is for you. Probably it's, not. It's probably, probably. How about bread? We use bread. Do you like bread? I eat bread. <laughs> I <hate> sure. Bread. <laughs> All right. Let's make the recipe. Yeah. In a medium skillet, set over medium heat, add the olive oil and butter. When the butter's melted, add the leeks, a few pinches of salt, cook around until softened about five minutes. Then, after that's done, add the mushrooms, the crushed garlic, and cook and stir it for about another, ooh, probably seven, eight, nine minutes till the mushrooms are cooked on. Put it on medium or low heat. That's really it. Then, when you're finished stirring the red pepper and the Dijon mustard, put that off to a bowl because then you've got this stuff in the bowl. Now. To assemble the grilled cheese, add a few spoonfuls of leek mixture to one-half the bread. In other words, you're going to put it on, on the, one of the slices. Top it with a liberal handful of the grated Gouda cheese. Uh, 
And then on a medium skillet over hot heat, add a tablespoonful of butter, and when that's melted, add the grilled cheese to it. Cover it with a lid. Cook it until it's lightly brown on the first side. It's going to take about three or four minutes. Keep that temperature low or you will burn the bread. Flip it over, cook it on the opposite side, slice it, and serve it. And you can serve it with your favorite soup. I often have grilled cheese uh, with tomato soup. I probably have this on its own, but if I did, I would just have it with tomato soup. I love, love, love grilled cheese. This is kind of a grown-up grilled cheese sandwich. And if you would like a copy of it, you know how they can find it, Tom? Um... Um, that's right. <laughs> you can go to the web at zorbapastor.org. That's zorbapastor.org. You will find that grilled cheese recipe, other recipes, pictures of Tom, pictures of me, stories, lots of stuff. That's zorbapastor.org. Or, of course, you can find us through da, 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 Facebook. 800-462-7413 is our number if you have a question for Zorba. 800-462-7413. And now, Zorba, let's see if we can help a listener in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can we help? I'm really concerned about some of the side effects that my daughter is getting from her hormonal treatment from breast cancer. Mm-hmm. She was diagnosed in March of 2019 um, with, I believe it was stage one or stage two breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And she had the tumor removed and later had radiation, about 34 bouts of radiation. Okay. And then she waited for a while until she started the injection mm-hmm. once a month and the pills once a day. And I believe she started that about a year ago. How old is she? She is 43. How'd she find the, was it through screening or did she feel something in her breast? No, it was kind of a, it was sort of an awkward uh, moment, but it was just by chance that she was with another individual Mm -hmm. um, supporting another person who had surgery. And the doctor came in after, you know, checking the patient out with during recovery. And she just said that, you know, I have this kind of lump over here underneath my underarm. You just take a look at it. Oh. And oh. and he uh-huh. said, I think you should go and um, get a mammogram right away. Right, right, and, right, right. And, right. That's, and that's what uh-huh. she did. Uh-huh. And to her surprise and mine and everybody else's, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Right, exactly. Oh, very tough, very tough. So how long yeah. ago was that? This was in March of 2019. Mm-hmm. So you're concerned about her. She's on hormonal treatment. Yes, mm-hmm. and the concern is because she goes through so much pain and she... Her body actually cramps up. It seems like the muscles or something, her whole side of her body. And she said there were times when she felt like she couldn't even get up or move. Right. Mm. So are these the injections that are giving her the side effects now? Yes. Basically, they're anti-estrogen treatments. I mean, that's what they are. Correct. They're to get rid of estrogen in the body. Because if you've got an estrogen-sensitive tumor, then we know that getting rid of any estrogen in the body can be useful and can prolong life. And Mm -hmm. there are side effects. Hot flashes are the most common side effects. uh, And there are other side effects that occur that are obviously... Has she discussed this with her doctor at all? She has. And there hasn't been any change. They Mm -hmm. haven't changed the medication. Mm -hmm. And she said, Mom, it's just what I have to go through. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got a couple of suggestions. So first of all, uh, so she's had her treatment. She's had her surgery. She's had radiation. And now she's on anti-hormonal treatment. There are two things you can do. So first of all, the first thing I would do is I would go and I would look towards complementary medicine to see if there's something that I could do to reduce the side effects. First thing I would do is I wouldn't change what I was doing, but I would say, is there some way that I can do this? There's some way that I can either do it through regular medication or through complementary and alternative medicine, such as acupuncture. That would be a good step, such as looking, going to a naturopath, because sometimes naturopaths have ideas with vitamins and minerals that might be useful for something like that. And believe it or not, chiropractors sometimes also can be very involved with this in getting the body to sort of relax during those treatments that can get rid of pain or discomfort. So I would look at those three things and see whether or not any one 
of them would actually do that. Then the next step I would do is I would look at the mind-body connection and see whether or not, uh, you know, getting trained in Zen meditation or another meditation might also help through this because sometimes just mindfulness meditation, and which you can do either in person or nowadays on the net. Uh, Richie Davidson has a great website called the, the Center for Healthy Minds, and it's to get your mind healthy. And the Center for Healthy Minds has an app on it. And I don't know what you do, but you pay so much per month, and it goes through mindfulness meditation, which can be very, very useful in situations like this. She's had cancer. Anyone who's had cancer is always worried about dying, certainly if you're 43 years of age, you're thinking about it all that time. And that can be mindfulness meditation. It might be very, very useful in really dealing with the side effects from this. And, and going through those aspects, you know, Western medicine doesn't have a lot of answers for this. We'll say, well, deal with the side effects. There's side effects from it. Live with it. That's not what she needs. She needs to right. look towards one of these other ways. If that fails, then I would get a second opinion and look towards other anti-hormonal treatments uh, that may be different. And the reason is there are a variety of anti-hormonal treatments that she could also try from a different oncologist that may be worthwhile. But I would be, I would try to deal with this either through mindfulness meditation, acupuncture, naturopath, and so on. That's what I would recommend to your daughter. It's a tough road to hoe. She's got five years of this. On the other hand, she really wants to make sure that the breast cancer is cured. And if there are any rogue cells out there, she wants to get rid of all of them. So. Okay. So what are some of the best foods out there that she can be taking also to keep her bones strong, her teeth strong, because she's starting to have issues with things like that now. Mediterranean diet, and then at least 1,200 milligrams of calcium, preferably through food, which would mean a container of yogurt, some cottage cheese, other dairy products. So you want to make sure you get enough calcium and then follow a Mediterranean diet. And of course, exercise, very important for osteo to prevent the osteoporosis that can come from going through menopause early. Very important. Okay. And of course, TLC from you, you're the mom. Keeping her hope up is so important, and you're such a key point. You're part of her optimal care. I'm, I'm finding that out more and more, and we've always had somewhat of a, a bantering kind of relationship, and mm-hmm. I, I'm learning to just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. And, hey. you know, just, just zip it, zip it. Zip it. <laughs> of course. Zip it and hug her. Zip it and hug her. Yeah. Zip it yep. and hug her. Yeah. And just doing everything within my power to make her life smoother, easier, happier, relaxed, whatever I can do. And encouraging her to stay away from, you know, toxicity Absolutely. with people who are mm-hmm. negative. And, That's right. You know. Absolutely. So. That's your job. And you bring mm-hmm. a lot to the table. Thank you for saying that. It's a good reminder for myself to hear it from another person, a professional physician, someone who has a lot of experience with this. Uh, It's my first real bout, but it seems like I've been, since my daughter was diagnosed, I've I've had friends before that in my close circle. Mm -hmm. And then when my daughter was diagnosed, then I had one of my closest friends and her auntie diagnosed. So I feel like I've been surrounded with cancer Mm -hmm. and... I'm learning to find the balance to make sure I'm taking care of myself For so sure. that I can keep giving as well. For sure. You've got to keep up that hope. You've got to mm-hmm. do that. Very important. The other day I was looking up the definition, number of definitions from hope, and the one that I really liked, mm-hmm. hope is a feeling of an expectation that the future has something in front of it that you want to get to and a desire to get to that spot. Mm. And you've got to keep up that hopefulness. Absolutely. Thanks for your call. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We really appreciate that call. Absolutely. Thank you very much. At 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Now before the break, Zorba, let's fire up another edition of disagreeing with the doc. Zorba, this uh, email came to us from Bob in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Zorba, on this week's show, 
You said we lose about one percent of our muscle mass every year, no matter what we do. Au contraire, repeated research has shown that through weight training, men and women in their sixties and beyond can grow muscles as big and strong as someone years younger. I'm seventy-nine and have been weight training. For many years, and have definitely noticed an increase in my muscle mass, and I'm able to lift considerably more weight now than when I started. Additionally, senior weight training not only builds strength, but it also leads to better motivation and more self-confidence. Facilitating seniors to continue the activity, it can help older adults sleep better. Be happier, have better focus, and may help prevent dementia and other degenerative diseases. So, seniors, take note and flex that bicep. <laughs> I still love you, Zorba, even though you occasionally make a misstatement. Oh my goodness! Which really? shows you are only human. <laughs> That's right. Well, first of all, really good points. Really good points. Muscle and strength training is really important through the ages, and as we get older, we get weaker. And so that's part of it, you know, building up muscle, keeping muscle there. This is an attrition of the cells. In other words, the cells themselves may actually not be there and function. However, you can increase and hypertrophy the cells that you have there. So, in other words, you can actually, let's say, at fifty years of age, let's say you can lift X amount of weight, and at sixty and at seventy and eighty, you might actually be able to lift more weight because the muscle cells that are no longer there, they're not there, but you. You're taking the other muscle cells and making them stronger. When you weight lift, when you exercise and you build up muscle, you don't increase your cells. You increase the size of your cells. In other words, each cell just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So his point is very good. His point is, uh, and it could be, we do lose muscle mass as we get older, no matter what. We actually lose muscle mass. We don't really, I should say, we lose muscle cells as we get older. But if we work on it and through strength training, we may not lose muscle mass. So good point. And it's not just a grammar point. It's really a good point that you can do something for strength. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.、Mm-hmm. Uh, do you disagree with the good doc? Flex those finger muscles by <laughs> posting on our Facebook page, or you can always send us an email at zorba at wpr dot org. More of your calls coming up. We have another、uh, thought-provoking topic to dig into, and we'll tackle、uh, some of your emails as well. All coming up on Zorba Pastor on your health from PRX. Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on your health eight hundred four six two seven four one three. If you have a question for Zorba, but right now Zorba, the FDA sets stronger safety warnings. For breast implants, right? This is this this is a big issue. This is not a small issue, and this has been going on for three decades. Breast implants, and there are issues about it. So, guess how many people get? How many women get breast implants every year? Any、uh, idea? No, four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand, nearly half a million, get breast implants. Really?、Uh, right now, about a hundred thousand of them get that after breast cancer surgery. Okay, in other words, to breast removed, you get an implant there. Yeah, I get three hundred thousand do it just strictly. For, well, it's in both cases it's for cosmetics, but about a hundred thousand get it after they actually have actually they have breast cancer. In twenty nineteen, the FDA proposed some warnings because of new information that came out,、uh, and they looked at voluntary action by breast implant makers. Uh, Johnson and Johnson makes them. Allergan makes them, and it turns out that it didn't work. The voluntary things didn't work. The biggest shift 
is going on right now is that plastic surgeons and other healthcare professionals, anyone involved, has to give a checklist of things that they discuss with the patient. The side effects of breast implants are this, scarring, pain and discomfort, rupture of the implant, and perhaps a rare form of cancer. In other words, a very rare form of cancer, mm-hmm. but it's the scarring, the pain, and the rupture. And the fact that many women with implants need repeat surgeries for them, so they should no longer be considered lifelong devices. In other words, if you look at a breast implant, you figure, well, I'm going to have it there forever. No, you might have to have it replaced. You might have to have it changed and it might rupture. And just saying doctors and manufacturers that you have to do it has not worked. So doctors now will have to sign a document. It's like informed consent for surgery and confirm that the recipient was given an opportunity to review this before the surgery. Now, the way they're going to actually, you know, you've got to have some something behind this, right? You've got to have, it's not just a carrot, it has mm-hmm. to be a stick. Companies that sell implants to doctors who don't comply with this will start facing fines and other penalties from regulators. In other words, they're going to say to the companies, you've got to do it. You've got to police the doctors. If you don't police the doctors, we're going to start finding you money and you're not going to make a profit on these implants. You're going to start to lose money. Hmm. This is a big issue. It's a big issue because FDA has grappled for years about uh, a possible link between cancer, rare cancer, but the real issue is the other side effects from implants, and they feel that women should really know about this, and then they should make a decision. I mean, I'm not against implants at all, but the implants are filled with either saline or silicon. That's right there, and it felt that the saline implants would be better than the silicon, but unfortunately, the saline, implant, the saline implants rupture. And I think a woman just has to be given all the information so that she can make an informed choice, that it is not lifelong in many women, and it may cause problems. Hmm. Very, very important. Yeah, thank you. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 800-462-7413. And now, Zorba, let's see if we can help a listener in Fernandina Beach, Florida. Hi. Hey, how are you? Fine. How can we help? Well, I, um, I'm confused because uh, about a year ago, I had an MRI done for my pain in my left hip. And they said, well, it's basically osteoarthritis. So uh, I was prescribed the Clofenac 50 milligrams two times a day for about a month. My pain went away unbelievably. It was great. So... Can I take the Diclofenac daily? I don't think you're supposed to take it daily, right? It's like Voltaren. I think, you know, it's an anti-inflammatory. Not sure if you're supposed to take it the rest of my life. And so, I, you know, I worry about, like, taking that drug for my pain. Mm-hmm. So instead I take, like, a, an Advil mm-hmm. every now and then, arthritis Tylenol one day, a leave another day. I'm mm-hmm. trying to mix it up so that I don't damage my kidneys or my livers, mm-hmm. my liver too much, you know? Well, for how, how old are you? I'm 68. Okay, you're 68. Oh, you sound like you're about 39. You've got a really young, <laughs> sound, young sounding voice. Do you have any uh, major medical problems Thank at you. all? No. Okay, so no. you don't have heart disease, diabetes, high no. blood pressure, serious medical problems. So what do you take? What medicines do you take? I take cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or Torvastatin, and I take a, a Centroid, Levothyroxine. And you take levo- Levothyroxine. So first of all, you are right. We want to reduce the amount of anti-inflammatories we take probably over the age of 65. So there are many people who say you shouldn't take it every day. Very, very good point. But if it works, you have to balance between am I going to take this anti-inflammatory and function and feel good or am I not? Now, you can also get a diclofenac gel that you can rub on your hip. It's very effective for some people, a number of people. I would try that twice a day, and I would see if that works. It does not have any systemic absorption that's significant at all. It works really, really well, and if that works, you're one and done. But what I would also do is I would take that anti-inflammatory when you need it. So, for instance, I have days that my wrist arthritis bothers me, That's when it really bothers me. I take an anti-inflammatory. When I go on a ski trip, 
I take an anti-inflammatory every day. When I'm going hiking a lot, I take it then. So I don't take it every day, but I take it as needed. And then I use, uh, and then I basically use the diclofenac uh, gel in between that time. Okay. And that's exactly what I would do. Getting yourself moving, doing exercise, that's really the most important thing you can do to keep that 68-year-old body going that sounds like you're 39. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I feel like I missed email about getting old. Because... <laughs> you missed the email about getting old. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to use that. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling. We appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. 800-462-7413. Okay, Zorba, we love it when our listeners chime in to offer up their health tips. The following email came to us from a listener named David who, in all honesty, sounds like a real fun guy. <laughs> fun guy. <laughs> Dr. Zorba, I've been listening to you for years. I always learn something interesting. Thanks for what you do. One medicine that's very effective for migraines is psilocybin. There's quite a lot published. Wait a minute. Psilocybin? Sure. Psil- We'll talk about that. I have been reading about this. You know, it's a, I mean, it's a, you know, hallucinogen, but in small amounts, it's different. So go on. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you. Um, (laughs) Let me find my place here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's, there's There's quite a lot published data on the efficacy and safety of psilocybin for a number of indications. There is at least one publication on its use to ameliorate cluster headaches, and I've personally seen it eliminate severe and frequent migraines in people. I know you're pretty straight-edged and may not have seen the growing body of data regarding the safety (laughs) and uh, efficacy of psilocybin, but I think you'd find a ton of your listeners to be thrilled to hear you mention it. Just so you don't think I'm some woo-woo crackpot, (laughs) I've got a biomedical Molecular <laughs> Neuroscience PhD from Mayo Clinic. Well, you always have to, you have to get to state your degrees. Biomolecular Neuroscience PhD, PhD from Mayo, Mayo Clinic. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So just shut up. Yeah, just shut up. <laughs> just shut up and answer it. But, but actually, I am quite familiar with the research. Mm-hmm. I've, I've stated, I'm, not, I'm not quite as straight edge as it may appear. What uh, I think he's talking about, there, there are a couple of things. So first of all, the feds threw out the baby with the bathwater after Timothy Leary, you know, all of a sudden said, tune in, turn on, tune in, drop out. And so, you know, uh, psilocybin, mescaline, any hallucinogen, LSD, is put in the same category as crack and heroin, you know, which is ridiculous, you know, in that. And by the way, marijuana is in the same category too. You know, absolutely ridiculous how they actually put this in. And the feds have been really negligent on that because we can't do research. And there's a lot of research on using microdoses, small doses for migraines and other chronic pain syndromes and using larger doses for PTSD with, quote, guided therapy. And the University of Wisconsin, by the way, has been doing research on hallucinogens in medicine. And I think it's a great idea. Now, a ton of research is unfortunately actually a small amount of research. There is not a ton of good research on this. But the research is very promising and the feds have loosened the leash a little bit to allow studies to be done. And they really should loosen it more because it's possible that small doses of this can really make a difference. And I know a number of musicians and artists who are using small doses, uh, almost in a dose, almost like caffeine, to wake them up and they find that it helps their creativity. So a lot of good stuff that's going to go on on these in the future. And thanks for bringing it up. Mm -hmm. Do you have a health tip for the good doc? Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. 1-800-462-7413 is our number, 800-462-7413. 
And before we hit the highway, Zorba, we always love it when our listeners post on our Facebook page. Time again for Facebook Feedback. Facebook Feedback. First up, Connie in Eau Claire, Wisconsin asks, Could you please address the great difficulty of losing weight with type 2 diabetes now on insulin? Well, it, it, it's, it's a big problem because uh, insulin appears to increase appetite. So it's very hard to lose weight. And uh, I wish I had a good answer for this. It's not an co- uncommon thing. People ask me this all the time. And I say the issue ultimately, in my mind, always boils down to calories, the type of calories you're eating, because we know that fat appears to be much more satisfying than carbohydrates. Uh, but once you're a diabetic and you're on insulin, you really have to work with, a, I think, a registered dietitian to see what's healthy for you and what works. It makes it much more complex because you've got to do it the right way so you don't go into, quote, insulin shock and don't have hypoglycemia. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line answer here is to work with a registered dietitian to look at calories and be on an appropriate diet. And you've got to be careful because you're on insulin because you have to make sure you have a blood sugar in your body when it needs it. And that makes dieting even more difficult. A listener named Fred asks, is there guidance on exercise for people with mild COVID symptoms? All sources seem to recommend rest, hydrate, monitor, and isolate with no mention of exercise. Would exercising steal energy that the body needs to fight the virus? No, first of all, you should exercise. There's no doubt about it. But you just pay attention to your body. If you're really weak... Then, and you feel like you can't even walk, walk a little. You know, if you feel like you're really strong and you have mild symptoms, do even more. I think you just have to pay attention with your body. The idea that you should just lay in bed if you're not really sick is actually not a good idea. You should move your body. Finally, Zora, here's a message we received from a listener named Svetla in Haskovo, Bulgaria. Wow, Bulgaria. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Zorba. Thank you for the advice about wearing Crocs or other firm shoes in the house to help with plantar fasciitis. It's helping tremendously. I uh, bought some thick summer pool shoes. Thick summer pool shoes. Try saying that. To, that is a tongue twister. I, I am not going to wear house slippers in the house <laughs> ever uh, again. Well, that actually is she's right. House slippers, when we talked about plantar fasciitis, mm-hmm. they don't have any, they have, uh, n- you know, no, you know, basically inside there's really no insert. There's no arch in the shoe. So, and thick summer pool shoes are flat. So she's right. She needs some something to push against the soul. And Bulgaria, I mean, really, we're now in Bulgaria. How wonderful. (laughs) Obviously, she listens to us on the web. (laughs) Thanks to our wonderful listeners, wherever you are. Everywhere, in Bulgaria. (laughs) For all all the Facebook I'm toasting the Bulgarian listeners. (laughs) And don't forget, Facebook is the best place to read Zorba's frequent updates surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. And, of course, you can always send us an old-fashioned email at zorba at wpr.org. See you next week, Zorba. Stay well, Tom. If you missed anything during the show, just want to download our show podcast, visit us on the web. At zorbapastor.org. And don't forget Facebook. And don't forget you can call us anytime. Leave your question at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer, da-da, Carl da, Christensen. Da, 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 da. Our technical director, da-da-da-da, Brad Kohlberg. <laughs> Our theme music by Leo and Ben Sedrin. Ba, ba, da, da, ba, da, da. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Tom Clark. Tom Clark, ba, ba, da, da, join da, da, us on the next Zorba Pastor on your health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, 
links to the Facebook page, Zorba's Healthy Living Articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's zorbapastor.org.